Welcome back to another episode. This is your boy Mo. And this is your boy Mark. And this is Mo and Mark. A politics podcast. And as we promised, we are back at it again with a second episode for this week. And this is where we will be talking about the first presidential debate that was a complete mess. And so Maurice and I, we will respectfully share our thoughts as well as our personal opinions. And we will talk about some of the most noteworthy moments of this debate. So Mo, initial thoughts. You know what? I can confidently, and I mean confidently, say that was probably one of the worst presidential debates that I have ever experienced as a viewer. I mean, there were name-calling, interruptions, pivoting important policy-related questions. I feel like it had all the fixings, and I saw this a lot on social media, mm-hmm. it had all the fixings of one of those reality TV like reunions, you know, yeah. the bickering and the back and forth. So, yeah, I think I can confidently say... You know, it was not it for me. Yeah. Uh, I took a look at the polls right after the debate, and a CBS survey announced that 48% said Biden won, and then 41% said Trump won, mm-hmm. and then 10% called the debate a tie. Okay. Um, and then also 69% of the debate watchers also noted that the feeling that they had feelings of like annoyance while they're watching the debate. So I think a lot of the same reactions were almost like, you know, nationwide for folks who were watching of like mm-hmm. this annoyance of like. Like, is this really, you know, a presidential debate for the person who's supposed to take office in November and, like, you know, run the free world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, let's start with the losses. It seems there were a few times Trump caused Biden to lose it, calling him a clown, the worst president in U.S. history, and even told him to shut up. And that was just a lot for me. Yeah, I got you. And so I think this was very hard to watch. Matter sure. of fact, I was I was actually at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was with the <laughs> with the earphones Jesus. in my ear, so I really couldn't focus on everything that was going on but as soon as i got home i i basically had to like watch it over twice and Mm -hmm. it was very hard to watch you know though i do support president trump uh i am a little disappointed just in how the way he handled certain segments Mm -hmm. during this debate but i will say clearly that it was the whole night it was two versus one. Chris Wallace Poor Chris. did, in my eyes, he did a bad job mm-hmm. hiding his uh, liberal bias because there actually were times during this that Wallace was doing some of the talking for Biden sure. and it was basically more like him debating Trump than Biden debating Trump, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think Chris Wallace could have definitely done a better job and held more of an impartial stance as a host. Mm -hmm. I think he has to be impartial towards both candidates, right? Yeah. And so I think there were a few times he seemed to me to have, like, tagged along the Biden team in some of his responses to Trump. Um, And I can tell, uh, though, that he was frustrated throughout the entire debate. Now, the first thing I would like to bring up during this debate was when they started talking about white supremacy Mm -hmm. and just like i said this was basically a two versus one debate they actually did not really let trump speak on this topic and that is what caused him to actually not give the best answer Mm -hmm. and so now i believe that the media they're basically trying to create this narrative that president trump did not denounce white supremacy and see this is not the first time this is not the last time just that this will happen but whoever is the next moderator this they need to allow both men to actually debate and and actually not get too much involved just so that way it it'll be way smoother than last night was yeah i think overall you know i think chris wallace did the best (laughs) i like to say he did the best that he can you know the very best he can do he tried um i think of course there was so much interrupting it was really hard to really understand 
um, what the candidates were really saying, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think in terms of strategy, uh, I think Trump, to me, it seemed like he wanted to attack any and all of Biden's responses. And so I think we heard almost nothing about his plans for what he would do the next four years. And I'm a little disappointed in Biden as well. Um, I feel like he kind of fed into it. And, and he even attacked Trump a couple of times, you know, as, as I said before. But let me ask you this, because, you know, you mentioned white supremacy. With the debate, mm-hmm. are you satisfied with Trump's response to denouncing white supremacy? Maurice, I would say that he did. Jesus. But, hey, I mean, he did, but... <laughs> The way that he responded wasn't the best. Okay. And just like I said, you actually really can't get your words out Mm -hmm. just when you have two people that are bickering at you and basically cutting you off, not even letting you talk. Just like Wallace did last night. Mm -hmm. He basically asked him, can you denounce white supremacy? Right. President Trump says, sure. And so then right after that, he just says, say it then, sir. Say it. And then Biden, his puppet, right behind him said, yeah, say it, man. Say it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he actually really couldn't get any of his words out because of the fact that he had two people that were just bickering. I think I'd agree with that in a, <clears throat> like, in a very, very small sense. I think, yeah, you know, I'm sure with anybody, it's hard when people are like in your ears, you know, say it, say it, blah, blah, blah. But I think overall, like regardless of all the noise, mm-hmm. all he literally had to say was, I denounce any white supremacist organizations and I call on them to cease and assist. Like, I feel like it could have been such an easy statement, um, not only as a candidate, but as the president of the United States. So much has gone down on your watch. That like That's point blank period, right? Mm-hmm. During this administration, we've seen so many... Uh, white supremacist organizations or even white supremacists that have just really reared their heads this year because I think, you know, the president has really had a uh, a demeanor of it being quote-unquote okay, right? Um, so I think it could have just been a simple statement that he could have said that would have denounced, right, all the white supremacist organizations or any sort of inkling of white supremacy that has been in, in this country pretty much all year long during this pandemic. Uh, now, here's where I think Biden did well, right? I think Biden, at this point, the only thing that I think went well, right? <laughs> But I think where Biden did well is his appeal to the American people mm-hmm. and his direct look into the camera during the segment where he was asked about COVID-19. I think, you know, they both were asked about COVID-19, you know, sort of their response, like what should happen and should not happen. Mm-hmm. And I think he really appealed to the American people. And I think this was such a noteworthy presidential moment that I think we have been looking for from Trump that we have not gotten. And gotcha. Biden kind of stepped in to say, look, here's what's happening, right? We have people who are dying. You know, there are people, I think at one point he said, you know, there's probably an, 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 an empty seat at your dinner table of a loved mm. one who have died because of COVID, right? right. So yeah. it's just a pill that he's giving, like, this is the reality of what's been happening the last, you know, almost all year since in of February, March. And so I think that was a really good moment where he was able to look directly into the camera and let the American people know that, you know, we are hurting and that he has some plans that he would like to do um, if he's put in this position that will better correct what he's saying that Trump did not do. Okay. Well, just to actually piggyback on that, since we're talking about the virus, mm-hmm. and I, I believe that now the number of deaths are like at 204,000. Yeah. yeah. Now, the CDC shows that 94% of the people that have died this year from quote unquote COVID, they actually had pre existing conditions sure. as far as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, cancer, whatever. So, just because of the fact that they ended up getting COVID during during their sickness does not mean that they died from COVID, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. So, so, so basically, they're counting every single death as a COVID death, but we have to 
remember that some people had diabetes, some people had high blood pressure, right, right, so right. forth and so on. So you cannot really put the blame on President Trump about for like all of these deaths. Why? Because of the fact that we do have a federal and local government. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about our local government. As far as these democratic cities, they basically allowed COVID patients mm-hmm. to actually go into these senior housings going to these hospitals just with other people who don't have COVID and then that's how that virus spreads. Sure. So you can't really put that on President Trump. I have a great grandmother that's living in a senior house right, right now and they've allowed I think like 20 people who actually have COVID to actually come in there and get treated for it. Sure. But see now you have the virus spreading out. Thank God that she does not have it but you have to really think about it like this is something that the governor approved. So you sure. can't really put that on President Trump. We have local governors to actually take care of their cities and states. You can't really put the blame on him fully, right? So, yes and no. I think for that particular case, like, no, right? Like, because, you know, I think we talked about in an earlier podcast mm-hmm. that in the beginning of the pandemic, Trump gave autonomy to the governors to be able to really control yes. um, some of the policies, the reopening procedures of their state. So in that way, sure, you know, some of that blame does go on the governors for how they've conducted their state based on you know, the amount of deaths and, and you know, how their state is doing overall with the deaths versus the cases that they have, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Two is, I think overall, though, and I said this before, Trump has to take responsibility in general. Like, if you cro- like if you draw whose fault it is back t- to the top, he's at the top of the list because he's, one, the president. So as president, you have to understand that the responsibility of how the pandemic is going falls on you regardless, right? Right, yes. There's only so much blame we can put on, you know, m- mayors and, and governors and folks who are... Um, the head of particular jurisdictions or Mm -hmm. districts or cities and states, but because he's a president who controls the entire country, he takes responsibility. So I think the blame, sure, is some on the government, but he takes blame for all of that. Mm -hmm. It falls on him because, one, he was the person that um, should have came to the American people outrightly and said, look, this is what's going on, and has some sort of transparency in, one, what's happening right now with the pandemic that is growing, and he should have had some sort of policy or two, three, five, ten point plan on what he plans to do to mitigate this thing and control it right off the gate. Mm -hmm. And if he would have done that, I believe that we would not be in now month, what, eight, nine, ten of this pandemic that has killed thousands of Americans, Mm -hmm. uh, millions of folks, you know, worldwide, and there are cases that are still ongoing. And I think I even heard from the, the, um, I want to say Dr. Fauci, another like 200,000 could be infected these last three months of this, you know, the year, if there are certain things that we do not do as a country, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in regards to masks, in regards to, you know, uh, PPE, which is personal protection equipment. Mm -hmm. And so like he, basically he's saying like, if you don't, if you don't get a hold of this now, right, which we should have a long time ago, but if you don't now, then the next three months could also be just as worse as the first three months you know so i think regardless of how you you know slice it or dice it trump has to take a, a strong level of responsibility for his calls and his response to how he handled the pandemic back in march okay i got you there now one thing that they did also talk about during this uh debate they mm-hmm. talked about the vaccine sure so uh i think president trump said that uh i think 
one company I think it's Johnson and Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually trying to work out in like a few weeks, like yeah. before the election, before yeah. November. Yeah. So my question to you is: Let's say whenever this vaccine is ready, would you be a hundred percent, you know, okay with taking the vaccine? I'd say no because for one, I don't necessarily trust the words of Trump as it relates to the pandemic. Right? He has. Uh, uh, not responded to it in, I think, in a prudential way in the beginning, but also, you know, he goes back and forth about what he says is happening, what he thinks is happening, what his opinion. So, like, there's a lot of jumbling of what's really happening based off of what he thinks is happening and based off of what's actually happening, uh, if that makes sense. So, I, I would say no. Like, I would need to really be assured that one, this vaccine will help, right? And mm-hmm. and it is something that will be useful to the American people. And two, that there were the proper procedures that were taken to make sure it is safe for folks to take, right? Because I think the, the biggest thing for me is not it's not so much like, oh, no, we have a vaccine, but it's the rollout of the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. One, does it work? Two, has it been like uh, strategically tested on yeah, subjects uh-huh. to make sure that, you know, there's no side effects, there's no, you know, folks won't die six months into taking the vaccine. Right. So I think that's what I want to be assured. And then, and then, and then three, I think it's important with the rollout of how would this thing be distributed to millions of Americans, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what would the access look like with people who are rich, who are poor, who have access to healthcare, who don't, who are on Obamacare, who are private. So there's so much to take in, into consideration when, you know, having this virus to be spread out through all 50 states and all these places that people need to take the vaccine. So I think that would be my um, uh, my concern when talking about the vaccine um, that would then be able to mitigate, you know, and lessen the cases of the coronavirus. So in one of the segments, they also talked about the whole mail-in ballot thing. And I believe that President Trump also mentioned that there were a bunch of mail-in ballots from the military that was actually found in a wastebasket. Right. And all of those ballots had President Trump, you know, voted for sure so you know uh that's actually my whole thing about the mail-in ballots you know there can be a lot of corruption yeah it's integrity a a lot of yeah wrongdoing Mm -hmm. going on and so that's why i feel more comfortable actually voting in person you know i feel i feel that you know it'll be safer you know it'll be social distancing Mm -hmm. hand sanitizers masks all of that so like you know I feel that, you know, if you actually really want to vote, if you actually want your vote to be counted, you should really think about, you know, going to vote in person because you may never know what could happen to your mail-in ballot um, when it gets to the post office or anything like that. You know what? Yeah, you know, I would agree with that. And I understand both sides, I think. Because I think to Biden's point during the debate was he was talking about, well, Overall, mail-in ballots have been going on for years, right? Yes. And I know, like, with Arizona, I know is one state. Um, but there are many states uh, that have been, like, this has been a thing prior to the pandemic. Like, they've yeah. already mm-hmm. been having majority of their population of the state who have been mailing in their ballots for years. And so I do understand that, you know, it, to his point, like, it's been something that's going on for a while. But I do think that I am skeptical this year particularly because I think, one, there's so much going on in yeah. general. So mm-hmm. and I think with so many people that are wanting Trump to be out, I would absolutely... Um, you know, guarantee that some, you know, unfortunately, some folks might result to corruption of like yeah. trying to hide ballots and mm-hmm. throw them away and not count them all. So, yeah. and, you know, obviously with the goal of them trying to get Trump out of office. And so I think particularly there's a lot of concern this year with one, you know, with mail-in ballots, uh, uh, um, perhaps poll workers or, or, you know, some states that are people that are not trying to 
really handle them in an appropriate way, in right, a professional exactly. way, and able to yeah. really count them in, mm-hmm. no matter if it's Trump, Biden, or a you know a right like regardless, like have some integrity yeah. with you know because I feel like that's like every vote counts. I yeah. think you know it's important. At the end yeah. of the day, you know. Your vote counts. If you don't vote, you don't count, right? Exactly. So I think, yeah. yeah, you know, there's obviously some concern with that. And so I would definitely not be surprised or shook if, you know, you know, going towards the closer we get to the election, people are, you know, these dollars are being missed, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, so like there's so much going on. And so um, I think, you know, going towards November, we have an interesting next month. At this point, we're halfway yeah. to that. You know, I think what our last podcast was like, oh, we're 100 days away. Now we're like, what, 43 or 44. Yeah. And so we're inching closer and closer at a very fast rate. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm really hoping that there is integrity that people, you know, will put aside their differences or not, well, not necessarily differences, but like we'll put aside their corruptive mentalities their corruptive spirits right <laughs> and really treat this election because it's one of the most important elections that i think i've ever seen or even studied oh, yeah. yes. in a long time yeah. and so you know i think i understand both the opponents but you know i think it's definitely calls for concern of, of corruption with the mail on the ballot so now we only have two more presidential debates left mm-hmm. and so sort of some of the things that i'm looking for just from my president is mm-hmm. you know i just hope that he can sort of watch his mouth, you know, maintain his, like, integrity, composure, you know, be calm, you know, do not try to let the left or, like, liberal or Democrats, Uh you know, try to catch you in some type of lie, but, you know, I, but, (laughs) but, you know, I, I really just want him just to actually speak from his heart, you know, let us know why should we vote for you for actually four more years. Give me some reasons why. I am actually looking forward to seeing just what he basically has to say about his next four years. Sure. Yeah. Basically, his plan on the economy, immigration, you know, black lives, you know, all lives, basically. Oh, you know? So okay. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what President right, Trump I'll has stop to you say. there. That's fine. <laughs> I think for me, you know, I would agree with that. Um, I'm looking for two things from the candidates. I think for Trump, I'm looking for him to, to, you know, as you said, to really let the American people know, folks that have worked for you and folks who have not worked for you, but let people know, if you're elected these next four years, what are you going to do, right? What mm-hmm. is your policies? What is your legislation? What will you, what are you taking away from the last four years and what will you bring into the next four years? And I think for Biden, I want some clarity on his policies, one. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, I really want to know, um, and for him to be clear with what he would do in these, like the first hundred days. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we, I think he would not, he's not going to inherit a good economy. He won't inherit a good, really, situation of what the country is in. And so I really want him to be very clear on what he plans to do, like, the first 100 days, as well as, like, the minute he steps in office. And so I think I really want, and overall, you know, I want them both to really stick to the policy, stick to the, 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 um, their points and legislation and really try i mean i pray to god like please <laughs> stop the bickering right like this is yes. the lives of the american people we're talking yes. about this is the free world so i yes. think there should be some sort of integrity and composure that they need to stick to when stepping on that next debate stage uh but that's it for this episode um you know just like always thank you all for listening and tuning yeah. in every week and um, please be sure to subscribe rate and leave a comment and we will see you next week peace, peace.